Welcome to Coach House Talks. So over the last year we've all experienced as we've been reflecting on a little bit earlier on from Andrew, the isolation and restriction that we've had. 2020 in a sense has floored us. We've met as scattered believers. We've been doing church on, at home and online, masked and worshipping in silence. Few of us could have predicted how dramatically our lives would have changed at the beginning of 2020. But what if isolation and restrictions were permanent? What if lockdown was more severe? And as we've heard, your faith could put you in prison. What if your neighbors were watching you and spying on you to report you to the police? What if your family threw you out because of your faith? What if owning a Bible was illegal? What if following Jesus meant even violence and death? Welcome to the persecuted church. It was a day like any other for Penina in Kenya. She went to the market, but she left her phone behind, not expecting any calls. And then she returned home and everything changed. Penina's phone was full of missed calls. Her husband Paul had been on his way home from the Somali border when the lorry was stopped by Al-Shabaab militants. They lined everybody up outside the lorry and demanded that each person recite the Shahada and Islamic creed. Paul didn't know it. A survivor told Penina that he said he could not deny his Jesus. He was shot dead. I lived a life full of questions, Penina shares, now 26, and a mum, single mum to a four-year-old boy. I almost lost my faith. Instead of supporting the young widow as custom dictates, her in-laws abandoned her. Penina and her son were alone. They struggled for food. But it's here people like you, churches like you, stepped in to help her. You came alongside her, paying for courses in dressmaking, tailoring and computer studies, and enabling her to attend a Standing Strong Through the Storm seminar, a trauma awareness seminar. The training, she says, helped to heal my wounds. What stayed with me, she says, is that the hardships we pass through don't mean that God has left us. Talking to people and growing in my faith has restored my joy. That's how effective support and encouragement from us can do and be. Now she wants to help others, she says. I want to call my shop God's Favour. She explains, I'd like to make clothing more accessible to the people in my village. But sadly, just as Penina was about to sit her final exams, Kenya went into lockdown. It was a blow, halting her dreams of providing for her family 
But again, Open Doors was able to step in and provide her with emergency relief aid and a sewing machine so that she can earn an income. I'd like to say thank you, Peninar says. You have played a great role in my life. I cannot pay you with anything, but I pray that the Lord, who has given you a heart to give, will be gracious to you. Peninar's story of suffering and persecution is just one of 340 million Christians who experience systematic discrimination, unfair treatment, and persecution. That's almost five times the population of the United Kingdom. Put it in another way, one in eight Christians globally share in Christ's suffering. Facing high or extreme levels of persecution simply for daring to follow Jesus Christ. Every year at Open Doors, we release the world's watch list, ranking the places where following Jesus costs the most. There's no other list like it. Quite simply, persecution has reached unprecedented levels this last two years. It's reached pandemic proportions. For the first time since the list began, all top 50 countries experience or score at least very high or very, le very strong levels of persecution. Every day, 13 Christians are killed for their faith around the world. Every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested and imprisoned. North Korea tops the list for the, about the 18th consecutive time now. It's still the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian, as it has been every year since 2002. If you are discovered to be a Christian in North Korea, you'll be sent to one of the country's notorious prison camps which have been described by sources as a living mass grave. Open Doors research reveals the extent to which Christians are specifically excluded from receiving aid for COVID. Incidents have been recorded in Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Nigeria, Yemen, Sudan, Vietnam, Myanmar, Nepal and Malaysia, not to mention Central Asia and North Africa. Of the top six countries where Christians experience the most outright violence, five are in sub-Saharan Africa. Nigeria has re-entered the top 10 for the first time since 2015, and we see that sometimes, don't we, even on our main BBC news. Here we saw the most violence against Christians in 2020. I was reading recently, I'm off script here by the way, I was reading recently that um, Al-Qaeda are using, uh, and Islamic State are using now the Sahel region as a new base to set up and to take over West Africa. We need to be praying. In church now, CCTV is being used to monitor churches and church leaders. 
Churches are now being shut down for not following church uh, government guidelines. There now is now a law in China to have cameras installed in the church so they can see who's going in and they can listen to what the pastor is saying. And if he says anything that smacks of anything about being anti-government, then he's arrested. The church was experiencing huge growth up to about five years ago, but a lot of that now is going underground because the persecution is increasing. In Turkey, President Erdogan has pursued a much more open Islamist and nationalist agenda. Increasing violence and increased tolerance is directed towards Christian minorities. And in India, rising Hindu nationalism continues to claim that if you are an Indian, you are a Hindu. Now, I shared some statistics and figures with you. They're helpful in understanding the scale and the scope of persecution against the church. But these aren't just statistics, are they? One of the things that does sometimes with statistics is it kind of dehumanizes the whole thing. But they are, behind these statistics are sobering stories about people, individuals, believers, just like you and I. They're not strangers, they're family. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. There are people one day we will share heaven with, and they need our help. And so again, a big thank you to you as a fellowship for being a part of that. And the vision of Open Doors is that no Christian should ever suffer alone. No Christian should ever be forgotten. And for 65 years now, Open Door has stood for persecuted church, the persecuted church around the world, standing alongside persecuted Christians, strengthening and supporting those who dare to follow Jesus, no matter the cost, as we saw from the video. Imagine counseling somebody into faith in Christ and then telling them, by the way, you are going to suffer imaginably. How does that make you feel? So all this for me raises the question, how is it possible for believers like many of these and like Peninnah that we heard about, how does it help them to keep going? How do they persevere blow after blow? Well, in that Bible reading, I believe we heard a big part of the answer. The first thing is, that though we get knocked down, we are not knocked out. Though we get knocked down, we are not knocked out. Paul didn't sugarcoat the Christian life either, did he? Paul spent a lifetime of suffering daily for Christ, and it took his toll emotionally, mentally, and physically. It must have been overwhelming at times. He doesn't glaze over it or airbrush it, or downplay his pain and suffering. He writes this, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 
words and emotions that maybe we can resonate with right now. So we get knocked down, but we are not knocked out. Second reason for hope, resurrection power is on display. Resurrection power is on display. It is here and now. The resurrection power of Jesus is at work in us. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus was like a megaphone cranked right up, broadcasting that God is bigger than death, bigger than suffering, and incredibly gets lived out, shared in our lives and our response to hard times. The empty grave dwarfs all the pain and hardship that we'll ever face with the promise that one day every wrong will be made right. That is resurrection power. Paul believed and lived in light of the unstoppable power of Jesus, even if to him it didn't make any sense outwardly at all. For Paul, he saw his suffering as a way for others to see Jesus. It's missional. The pains and chains were actually gains for the gospel. And this is how often God works and still does. This is the story of the early church, isn't it? And the story from around the world today. When you pick up this book, most of it was written by persecuted people. Virtually the whole of the New Testament certainly was, and a great part of the Old Testament was too. This is how God works. This is the story of God's people. Persecution and suffering are often the motor for the gospel. And it's why Paul wrote those famous words in Romans 5 verse 4. Rejoice in suffering, he says. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Third reason for hope. I've saved the best of last. The future outweighs the present. The future outweighs the present. Imagine I had some scales with me, like the ones Lady Justice holds like ones we're going through presently, hardship, trial, suffering, on the other side, the future, if you're a Christian. This is essentially what Paul is doing. Paul had the scars of the wounds on his body. But what would you add to those scales right now? Maybe loss of a loved one, maybe COVID, cancer, Broken relationships, depression, loss of jobs, all kinds of things have happened, haven't they? All that takes us out. All that knocks us down. But the scales tip in the favour to the future because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Life on earth, yes, can be horrible at times. In my family, we've had a pretty rough week this week, both with my wife and two children. Sometimes it can feel like you're dying. That's how Paul felt. 
he writes, So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And verse 18 has a sense of measured gaze, focus, like looking ahead, as if through a telescope, looking, longing forward. And the scales are tipped towards the future because the future outweighs the present. So fix your gaze on the future. Look up and hold on. What does he say again? We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And throughout the rest of this year, I, I need to hold on to that. And it's likely that you do too. And I know that 340-odd million Christians around the world, they need to hold on to that too. And the way you can respond, next slide please, thank you, is to connect with open doors. And I would appeal to you that whatever charities or whatever missions support you have, that somehow you connect with your church brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering and if you can just pray for them that would be brilliant you can ring open doors and they will send you a copy of the world watch guide which lists the 50 countries where you can be praying for them or you can be put on a mailing list for a magazine and I've got some copies with me that if you would like to take one with you, I can give you one of the latest. And it's the prayer diary that comes out six times a year. And each day there's a small couple of sentences to pray for somebody in the world or some region of the world where Christians are suffering. Finally, maybe you could support our work financially because your support means that persecuted Christians get the help and resources they need to keep following Jesus. Maybe you could match a subscription, maybe with something like Netflix Prime or a magazine subscription in your gift towards a persecuted family. So thank you for listening. And I hope that we can all take something from this today, that as we have experienced difficulty and trials, that in one sense, without wanting to minimize that, there are people around this world who love Jesus who are experiencing an awful lot more. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of going around the Northwest with a, a North Korean lady called Yong Suk. She was delightful. She had experienced one of Kim Il-sung's notorious camps Miraculously, she got out and was able to flee to China and now lives in South Korea. She came over here to speak about North Korea and to tell the church what was happening. It was an incredible privilege to share five days with her because her faith almost embarrassed me, despite the fact that I've been Christian for many years. If you engage with those who are suffering for their faith, 
you will find that it strengthens your faith. It makes you want to delight in Jesus more. It will renew your vigor and your desire for the kingdom to grow in our country. So I commend that to you. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you again for your word. Oh Lord, how it speaks to us in our every circumstance. We thank you that your truth resonates in our hearts. We pray that you'll fill us today with your word, that we may, as I said earlier, go from here strengthened, renewed, and empowered by that wonderful resurrection power. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.coachhousechurch.org.